Broadcasting live to the world now, it's Sheila Zelensky. They replace repentance with dreams of the good life. Dying daily, taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. as dark as I know it looks out there the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom and it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission it's Sheila Zielinski the Sheila Zielinski show the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines prophecy and the deeper things of God now here is your host end time watchwoman Sheila Zielinski Hi, everyone, and welcome to this Monday, May 9th edition of the Sheila Zelensky Show. I'm so glad you could tune in from across the globe. Typically, I broadcast Monday to Friday. That's weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern right here at WeekendVigilante.com. I took the last week off in a bit to try to firm up and finish this book that I am co-writing with Miss Carla Butod from Texas, Power Prayers, Warfare That Works. And we got it finished. So it's off to the publishers and we're set, hopefully, for a July release. And let me tell you, I think you are going to be very blessed by this book. It is a complete compilation of prayers that I believe are just absolutely imperative for the dark days ahead. And I think we've covered some major ones. So we're hoping to see the book release the first week of July, and I'm looking forward to getting it in your hands. It's very exciting. It's a very powerful book, and I really believe that this book is really going to change the way you pray for the better. Well, it's been a while since I had this guest on my show, controversial, but always our favorite. He is really one of the few true apostolic ministers out there. And one of the things I really admire about Dr. Danny Morano is that he does not compromise on the truth, regardless of what people think about it. And that's one of the things I've always very much appreciated about Danny. And he's got a fantastic show. He's got some great teaching series, and he's just such a blessing to us. And so it's a pleasure for me to welcome him back to the program. It's been a while. Danny, welcome back. Thank you so much, Sheila. Always great to be with you. Well, it's always great to have you on, Danny. Well, one of the things you wrote recently, and I'll tell you what, it really got my attention, and it started to really make me think and caused me to reflect on my own self as a person in the alternative media. Now, over the years, it's been kind of interesting. I've been dubbed many labels in various bios. I've actually chuckled reading some of these bios people have developed. Now, I spent many years exposing corruption. It started during my tenure in federal government. And in 2006, when I left government after 10 years and started exposing the fraud of the green agenda and this idea of man-made global warming, you could say I started as a whistleblower. And in the beginning, I know when I started in talk radio, they called me Alex Jones in a skirt. I was coined as an outspoken radical vigilante. Well, and enter weekend vigilante. But here's the thing. I've never considered myself to be a conspiracy theorist, although I loathe that term, nor do I consider myself to be a news journalist 
or an investigative reporter, although I certainly do research, really, ministry and apostolic evangelism it really is my true calling, my first love. I've really always kind of thought I had this sort of Old Testament prophet Elijah slash Ezekiel ministry meets New Testament book of Acts meets Watchmen on the Wall. And it's been kind of hard for me to sort that out with God. But one of the things I've noticed in the alternative media, both secular and Christian alternative media, is a term that's being thrown around a lot, and that's the term watchman. Now, Ezekiel is very specific on this term watchman, and to me, it's always really been about being called by God to not just warn people of the coming judgment and calling them to repentance, but really calling out the error in the body of Christ. So first of all, let's start with this scathing article. It's called Alternative Christian Media and Its Roots, and it's very interesting to say the least. Start off, Danny, by telling us the reason you wrote this article. Okay, thank you very much, Sheila. Well, uh, the reason that I, I chose to address that term, watchman, is because, as you said, forgive me, but ad nauseum, this term has been thrown around not only amongst the Christian media, but also out in the secular media. And just like with everything else that comes into this mixture, faith, that we've talked about many times on your program, and we addressed it very strongly last time, that it comes out of the, the same womb of this cultural Christendom, okay, this mixture of worldly ideas and standards and values, and then what we have come to understand as Christian principles, which supposedly come out of the Bible, okay? And we have the same mixture again, because the initial people, from what I have seen, that have begun to use that word watchman were secular people. You mentioned a gentleman, Alex Jones. I think he refers to himself in that way. And there are many secular guys out there ranging on everything from finance, the guys that are uh, preaching their version of how to succeed or, or preaching against the dangers of the corruption of Wall Street, all the way to political watchdogs and watchmen, all the way now into religion as well. So that terminology has been adopted again, just as the counterfeit church system, okay, which is posing as the Christian church, especially in the United States of America, adopts these terms and adopts these titles and things but they get them from the world. So when a worldly journalist, okay, or investigator or so, uh, is is looking out for the people, trying to get intel, trying to get to the bottom of corruption and supposed evil agendas and things that are going on in the government, in the financial sector, in education, and, and also in other uh, forms of religion and occult and spiritual things, okay? They call themselves a watchman on the wall. Now, when they refer to a watchman on the wall, they are using that in the sense of like a military term. And that is a legitimate term uh, in antiquity for a guard up on the wall. I was just recently in St. Augustine, and uh, when we pulled in to park, the actual parking lot where we parked to go and uh, walk on into the old part of the city was on an ancient fort ruin 
and you could see the the pillars or the towers where the watchmen stood up on those towers to look out on the sea to see if there were any approaching armies coming by ship okay or coming by land to the to the left or to the right so that's what a watchman's post was and a watchman of course was a soldier uh he was armed uh, you know, to do battle, but mainly his function was to alert the troops to oncoming uh, attack. Okay, so that's a legitimate term in the worldly military sense, and that's the way most of these secular guys uh, use it. All right, now the Christian media guys, alternative Christian media especially, have taken on that term in the same sense, they're playing in the same arena. Uh, and they're even dealing with the same issues, which is something we can address as we go further along. Uh, what exactly are they watching out for, and for whom are they watching? Is it the church of Jesus Christ that they're watching out for, and are they assigned to spot spiritual problems that have to do with the church and with the kingdom of God, or are they caught up in civilian affairs? Okay, and I want uh, your listeners to keep this this scripture in mind. It says, a soldier who has been called by Jesus Christ to be a soldier of Jesus Christ no longer concerns himself in the civilian, the civilian affairs of secular life, is not called to be caught up in the, the secular affairs of civilian life. Yet, most of these Christian alternative guys they're caught up with the same issues that these secular watchmen are caught up with, exposing corruption in, in government, exposing corruption in the financial system. You know, they're, they're dealing with the same issues that the world's dealing with. Okay, well, that matches on a secular level and on the secular side of the coin. The question, of course, is, if I'm a Christian, is that what I'm called to be doing as a ministry of the church of Jesus Christ. Okay, the other side of the watchman definition, as you mentioned from Ezekiel and so, and you'll see it in the other prophets, is a term used for one of the functions of an Old Testament prophet. Okay, and that had particularly to do with the nation of Israel. God called these watchmen, okay, these prophets uh, under the Old Covenant to look out for Israel's spiritual health and best interests. And mostly they were, of course, voices of conviction and ultimately judgment for God on the people when they didn't obey God's word. So they operated as Old Testament prophets. This was not a secular or military function. This was a purely spiritual function, and they received much persecution, and it was directly related to hearing the voice of God and being the mouthpiece for the word of God by the Spirit. If you read Ezekiel, for instance, you mentioned Ezekiel, it starts right from the beginning that I was in the Spirit. So Ezekiel was in the Spirit of God when he spoke these things out to the people of God. So it was a ministry function under the Old Covenant. Now, that's fine for the Old Covenant. All right. The problem that we have, though, Sheila, is that we're not under the old covenant anymore. We're under the new covenant. And the ministries have changed just as 
we don't go to war physically, or we should not go to war physically for God, like King David did in, in under the Old Covenant and the others, Joshua and Moses and so. Uh, we know now that under the New Covenant, our battle is a spiritual battle. Well, in the same way, we are no longer the children of Israel, a literal physical nation called apart by God in the natural, in the flesh, as a literal nation with laws for that nation and rights for that nation given to by, uh, by God to be carried out in the physical realm. But we are told in 1 Peter 2 that we are a spiritual house now. We are a holy nation, a spiritual body. I call it the invisible nation because we're in the spirit. So the church also has a completely different leadership structure and a completely different cacophony of spiritual giftings to the church or ministries that God has given the church. And Ephesians 4 gives us the clearest of those, what I call, servant love function gifts to the body what we have come to commonly call the five-fold ministry. Okay, these are the leadership gifts of the body. Okay, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Okay, uh, even the prophet in the New Testament is not operating in the same way as the prophet under the Old Covenant. It's a different calling. Okay, but even in the sense of the Old Covenant prophet, if these gentlemen want to assign themselves this title of watchman on either side of the coin, okay, let's deal with the first side, the secular side, dealing with secular issues and warning people about all those things, okay, whether we're warning Christians, whether we're warning sinners, whether we're doing it for both. Is that a ministry of the New Testament church? Do we see that in the New Testament as a ministry that God gave the New Testament church? Were they supposed to be caught up, as you, we just quoted in that scripture, in all these civilian affairs of secular life? Is that a calling? And secondly, many of these gentlemen will also put forth their natural acumen, their, their worldly qualifications, as their resume for being this watchman on the wall. I was an investigator. I was a journalist. I was an intel gatherer. I was an insider in the government. I was an insider in Wall Street, whatever the case may be. And people are accepting these professing Christian experts as leaders in the body of Christ, watching on the wall for them as watchmen on the world. But notice two things. Mostly they're dealing with worldly affairs. And secondly, they're putting forth worldly qualifications for being authorized to do so. So the question comes, is that the way God calls a man to be in the servant love function gifts, in the leadership of the New Testament church as apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher? No, we don't see that in the scripture. So therefore, their authority is coming out of human origin. Their authority is coming out of human intellect, human power, and human authority, not from scriptural authority, and not from the anointing of the Holy Spirit, okay? The reason that many of them also do this is because when they stand up and deal with spiritual things, 
Okay, and then they're called on the carpet for it because they talk with authority about a lot of spiritual issues. They deal with the Bible. They mix it together. We're talking a lot of secular stuff, but now we're going to mix the Bible in and we're going to tell Christians what they need to do. Christians need to take up arms. Christians need to get involved in the political process. Christians need to vote a certain way. Christians need to, to do this and do that and the other. Okay, so they speak with authority in spiritual matters, yet they've put forth their qualification and, and authority to do so based on worldly acumen and qualifications. So what happens in that scenario, Sheila? What happens is when the body of Christ calls them on the carpet and says, we hold you accountable for something you're saying or doing or telling us to do, they can always fall back now on the escape of, well, I'm not a pastor. I'm not in the ministry. I'm not even in the church. This is a ministry or a show or whatever it is that's not in the church system. And I'm not in the ministry. I'm not a pastor. I'm speaking as, you know, a gold salesman or an investigator or a journalist or a whatever, a former political pundit or a former military guy. Okay, well, that's fine. But if you're speaking to the body of Christ and you're instructing the body of Christ and telling them what to do with authority, then the other side of that coin applies to you as well. You have to make yourself accountable to the body of Christ. The problem is the body of Christ can't call them on the carpet because they have not come in under any of the functions that God gave the church. So they have an out. They get a pass. They're just speaking outside, not as leaders in the church. But yet they're speaking with the authority and having the influence of leaders in the church, but they're not accountable to the body of Christ as, let's say, a pastor or a teacher in the, in the Christian church or any of the other love functions would be, okay? So this is where this is uh, a double standard, and it's confusing a lot of people, first yeah. of all, because of the mixture uh, of, of, you know, mixing patriotic ideals, patriotic idolatry, and worship of government, and total worship of military and weapons, and these extinct documents that, you know, these people believe are still truly enforced, the Constitution of the United States, for instance, and this fake country, this fake nation that's not a nation, it's a corporation, okay, the United States, and so on and so forth, mixed together with the Bible and church. But there's no defining lines. So because there's no defining lines, these voices, powerful voices that reach millions of people and Christians are listening to them as authorities in spiritual matters because they're very, very um, bold and they're very dogmatic about what they're saying. They're speaking it with spiritual authority. Yet, they can't be held accountable because they're not a pastor or they're not in the ministry in the church. And this doesn't work. OK, on the other side, on the spiritual side of that term watchman, if it means prophet, even in the New Testament sense, because we have apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. So there is a prophet in the New Testament church servant love function ministry. 
okay? But that prophet, first of all, is supposed to be speaking from the Holy Spirit, all right? And what he speaks, he's to be held accountable for. But again, we want to speak with the authority of a prophet, calling ourselves a watchman according to the Old Testament definition of a prophet, but we don't want to be held accountable to the body of Christ for what we prophesy or what we dogmatically preach. But that's not correct. We have to be willing to be held accountable. And I've heard many of these people say uh, when they get called on the carpet about their prophetic pronouncements, okay, what they tell people to do or what they predict or, or whatever the case may be, and they get called on the carpet, they'll say, oh, now I'm not a prophet, I'm just a this or that, and they use a secular term for their occupation as a secular person. Well, I and I'm not a pastor, and I'm not a prophet, I'm just a such and such with a worldly term, uh, so I have the right now to just say all these things and not be held accountable against the scripture for it. Well, that is incorrect. If we stand up to speak to and for the body of Christ, then we are supposed to, first of all, identify ourselves clearly for who we are. And I say this clearly, Sheila, when I come out. I say that the Lord has called me as an apostle, a special messenger, an ambassador, an envoy to the body of Christ to bring structure, foundation, correction, and discipline to the body of Christ. Now, most people in today's culture, they would hear that as arrogant and crazy. Because they're so used to the cultural uh, church taking on worldly terms like life coach and mentor and these different things. This is what some of these CEO pastors and teachers in the modern church have done for the same reason, Sheila, to avoid accountability. How do you call a life coach on the carpet? How do you call a mentor on the carpet? That definition is not in the word. Yet, if I say that I'm a bishop or, you know, which just means elder or pastor or shepherd, then I can find that in the scripture and I can find the qualifications for a bishop and I can be called on the carpet according to those qualifications of a bishop. But I can't be called on the carpet according to the qualifications of a life coach. Why? Because life coach is a purely worldly term. You see the game that's being played? And this is where people in the body of Christ, Christians, are perplexed because they don't have any standard or rule by which to judge what leaders and teachers in the supposed body of Christ are teaching and leading with. Okay, you know the word canon that we use for the Bible, which comes out of Roman Catholicism, it actually means the rule or the measurement. Well, we've lost the canon, even in the Protestant churches and, and their offsprings. We have no rule. We have no way to measure whether somebody is correct or not. We have the rule, actually. We have the canon of the scripture. But believers are supposed to be empowered, Sheila, to stand up with that rule or measurement, that canon, and challenge their leaders with that if they believe that their leaders are teaching something or practicing something that is unscriptural, that is not according to the practice and the belief system of the true church of Jesus Christ. But these guys are escaping this by playing both sides of the fence, okay? I'm going to speak with spiritual authority. I'm a watchman on the wall, and I'm going to tell Christians they better not do this, 
idiots and anyone who doesn't believe in the military and who doesn't back up these veterans and what America's doing and so on, uh, they're infidels. And if they don't take up weapons and, and defend themselves and their families, and if they don't store food, and if they don't do this and that and the other, whatever the case may be, if they don't vote Republican, okay, uh, they are apostates and blah, blah. So we're speaking with a lot of spiritual authority. But then when someone stands up with the word of God and challenges that and says, hey, wait a second, you know, the scripture says that we are a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a separated entity. We're supposed to come out of the world, not to be all mixed up in it and fighting for the world and its problems and its values and ideals. We're not supposed to be patriotic. Patriotism is idolatry. We're not supposed to be worshiping the same goddess that the Pope worships just because his is on a statue in Rome and our, our goddess is in the Hudson inviting the poor and the lowly and the so on to come to the shores of this great mystery Babylon. It's the same thing as far as God is concerned. Okay. So this is the point. Then these guys will say, well, you know, I'm not held accountable for that because I'm out here in this alternative media. See, I'm not in the church. So the church can't tell me where I'm wrong. Well, you can tell the church where they're wrong. Why can't the church tell you where you're wrong? Because you have not made yourself accountable. So this, for me, is where this whole Watchman thing falls down. Number one, taking a secular title on and using it in a Christian and spiritual capacity, supposedly within the body of Christ. And secondly, if you're taking that title on as a spiritual function, then you have to be held accountable for that spiritual function. You can't deny it. You can't say, I'm going to speak like a prophet, but I'm not a prophet, so therefore don't hold me accountable as a prophet. I've personally wrestled with this myself. I've asked God on this, you know, God, how do I define myself when I feel like an Old Testament prophet like Elijah and Ezekiel, yet, Danny, my desire really is to minister to the people, preach the gospel, lay hands on the sick, cast out demons, sort of an apostolic Great Commission type of calling. And I've tried reconciling that. But yeah, you're right. There's many voices in radio land. They're not always correct. And let's face it, everyone has an opinion. But I think you touched on something really important there. We need to define ourselves and we need God's help in doing that. And it's interesting you mentioned that scripture in Second Timothy 2, 4, no man that worth entangled himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who had chosen him to be a soldier. I mean, we touched on that original calling of the watchman was to call out the heir of the church, call out the heir of God's people. But the biggest thing here is that we're accountable to the body of Christ. And you said that word accountability. We can't say one thing and then act differently. We don't get to do that, do we? No, we don't. No, we don't. And uh, the problem is that, you know, most Christians today uh, are too busy being soldiers for the United States of America, okay, in, in the United States especially. Uh, they're all caught up in the civilian affairs of secular life, and they've been duped into believing that that has something to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it has nothing to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I've preached on your show many times, and I preach in my ministry all the time, Jesus' call for the church, the ecclesia, the gathering together of the called out ones, is to come out of her, my people. 
and be not partakers of her sins and receive not of her plagues. Come out of whom? Come out of the false whore system, the Babylonian system, the system of Antichrist and the false prophet, the false religious system, okay? So the thing is, when we talk about bringing correction to the church, this has been my contention for the longest time, and I get very little feedback on this, Sheila, because I think it's just too true, all right, for people to deal with. But here's the truth. That what we're saying is the church and that needs to be corrected and repaired and fixed is not the church. It is masquerading as the church as part of that end time whore of revelation, Revelation 17 and 18, the whore of Babylon. It's part of the false religious system. We can't fix that. Okay, so therefore, even the authority that's coming out of that, which has its its main nucleus in Rome, of course, all right, but her daughters, all the Protestant churches and all the offsprings of those daughters, seeker-friendly, emergent, non-denominational, Bible church, charismatic, Pentecostal, on and on and on, and all the supposed cults, which are no more off than most of the mainline churches today anymore, Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Seventh-day Adventist, Christian science, on and on and on, okay? The whole prosperity, word of faith, heresy, all that stuff. They are speaking of a from a false authority, they are still operating in that false structure, that counterfeit church system, that Constantinian Christendom. It's a cultural Christendom. It's a false version. So even the best of the best in these arenas that we just discussed, that are wanting to see change, wanting to see revival, wanting to see the church rise up and so on. My question to them all, Sheila, is do you first Know who the church is. Are you commanding the whore of Babylon to stand up for Christ? Because if you're still embracing that old system and a mixture of good old patriotism, if you're waving old glory around and you have a gun in one hand and a Freemasonic King James Bible in the other hand, and you're saying, stand up for Christ... How much sense do you make? Is that the church that's going to stand up for Christ? Have you come out? Have you come out of Babylon, my dear Christian brother and sister? My dear patriotic alternative media brother and sister, have you come out of mystery Babylon? Have you laid down the Rosicrucian, Freemasonic, Luciferian flag? Have you laid down the cross of Nephilic roots, that cross that sits on top of that steeple in the, in the shape of a pyramid, both occult symbols on the top of your church building that you built in the name of Jesus for God? Okay, have you come out of that false system? Have you let go of idolizing these documents of enlightenment thinkers and Freemasons, the Constitution, and especially the Bill of Rights? Is that really your Bible? Is that really your scripture? Because when I hear you talk, I can't tell the difference. I can't tell whether you're putting forth the authority of the Pauline writings from the New Testament or Jesus's words or the words of Thomas Jefferson. 
an avowed deist who took scissors to the New Testament Gospels and chopped away all the supernatural aspects of Jesus Christ and all the pronouncements of Christ that he was God in the flesh and said that Christ did not die for anyone's sins and Christ did not uh, rise from the dead. Is that the guy that you're quoting to me as godly principles that we need to return to as a Christian nation? Or not. And I encourage your listeners to go to my website, godisnotreligious.net, and read the article about alternative Christian media and its counterfeit roots. And also, please read the two part article that I've written on Is America Really a Christian Nation? America's True Roots. People, we've got to get educated. We've got to come out of the Whore of Babylon. So, my question to all these brothers and sisters, and I believe that there are those who really mean well, but they're preaching heresy in spite of their well-meaning. Have you come out of the whore of Babylon? Have you come out of the false church? Just because you've left the church building, listen to me, my dear alternative Christian media friends, just because you've come out of Constantinian's chapel doesn't mean you got Constantinian out of you. you if you're still preaching according to that mixture of, of God in the state, of holy writ and founding documents of a pagan Rosicrucian Freemasonic Atlantis nation, then you have not come out. If you're still looking for your power and your strength and your protection and your provision with a gun in your hand, then you have not come out from among them and made yourself separate. Is God truly your source? Is he truly your authority? Are you a worshiper of one king and a member of one kingdom? Do you have one monarch and serve one monarchy? Who am I speaking about? The monarch, the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and the monarchy, the kingdom of God, the church of the born-again, spirit-filled Christians. Is that who you're a part of, and that is who you worship? You cannot be a bipolar Christian. You cannot be a bipolar follower of Christ. We cannot practice a schizophrenic spirituality. We cannot have two kings and two kingdoms. There is no such thing, Sheila, as dual citizenship. Did Paul call on his earthly citizenship uh, when he got tired of being whipped? Yes, he was very smart. He was wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove, and he says, you ain't putting no more marks in my back because I'm a Roman citizen. Did he go further than that, and did he rally and lobby for the, the right emperor to come into power and the right Senate members to come into the Roman Senate? No, he did not. He didn't get involved in that citizenship. His citizenship, as he boldly and clearly proclaims in the scriptures, was to one king and one kingdom, Jesus Christ of Nazareth and the kingdom of God, the church of the living God. Okay, why were the martyrs killed, Sheila? in the first couple centuries of the Ecclesia, of the true church of Jesus Christ. They were not killed because they added this Jesus to their lives, okay? But they were still willing to bow to the emperor and even vote for the emperor and serve the emperor and pull other people into their church lobbies to vote for the emperor. No, they were killed because they would not bow the knee to the emperor when they were called upon. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bow to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar.
Nebuchadnezzar and were thrown into the furnace of fire. We love that story, but we're, we don't seem to have the ability to apply it to modern day. Well, the Lord's been dealing profusely with my spirit about the fruit that's being manifested in my own ministry. And it's our responsibility to seek the face of God along with his counsel so that we can discern the hearts of men, whether their fruit is of Christ or not. And Jesus said many false prophets and false teachers would explode in the time of the end. But one of the things I see that's kind of being thrown around a lot is this term, you know, this this talk about, well, self-appointed apostles. And, you know, they're throwing that around to the point of confusion as well, aren't they? Yes. Well, again, we have to define what self-appointed means, because the guys who talk about self-appointed, they mean someone who's not in submission to this Constantinian system. Okay. In other words, a in a church building with a CEO pastor, uh, with a with a staff of elders or assistant pastors, and so on and so forth, and in submission and under their covering. Okay, that's what they mean. Anyone who has been called by God outside of that false system, you know, is called self-appointed. But here's the real definition of self-appointed, Sheila. How many of these people who are speaking this are filled in the Holy Spirit? How many of them have received the Holy Spirit since they believed? Okay. And yes, hands were laid upon by apostles and prophets upon other ministers who were sent out in the first church. But notice also, these were filled in the Spirit and they were walking in the true apostolic definition of who the church was. What we have today is an ecclesiastical monarchy after the tradition of Roman Catholicism. Okay, the Pope and his archbishops and cardinals and priests and so on and so forth. A Nicolaitan hierarchy. Nicolaitan comes from two words. Nikos, to rule. Laos, laity, to rule over the people or to conquer the people. That's the religion spirit that rules in Roman Catholicism and orthodoxy in the East and has passed through into the Protestant churches and as I said all the other offsprings of the Protestant churches so when we talk when they talk about self-appointed they mean someone who is not submitting to that Constantinian structure of the church where the church is an institution the church is an organization the church is a building, a structured ministry, so to speak, with a hierarchy and a clergy. Okay, yet, as I've argued in my book, which you just finished reading, okay, exposing the counterfeit church, that is not who the church is. That is a counterfeit version of the church. The church is organic. It's an organism. Jesus birthed a living organism on the day of Pentecost by the Holy Spirit. So these who say that they are legitimate because they've had hands laid on them by a presbytery or they've been ordained, and I've spoke a lot about ordination, who else are they ordained by, Sheila? Yeah, they may have their posse of fellow ministers or higher ministers in their church building lay hands on them. But after they're done having all that spiritual stuff, uh, they got to go down with their papers to father state and mother whore and have Caesar sign off on their ordination because they are truly 
ordained by the state. That's the only way they're going to get their 501c3 tax-exempt status, and that's the only way they're going to be able to marry and bury. Okay, so let's bring this that stuff down to where it really is, Sheila. This is what ordination means, okay? So if I'm self-appointed and I'm rogue, okay, and I'm a rebel because I'm not submitting to all that antichrist system chicanery, okay, where Constantine rules the church, and ultimately I'm accountable to the state, not accountable to a body of fellow believers who have heard the Holy Spirit as to my apostolic or prophetic or pastoral or evangelistic calling, whatever it may be. So what are we really talking about when we're talking about self-appointed? And, you know, many of these self-appointed for me, is without the Holy Spirit's true leading, without the Holy Spirit's true anointing, because I go and I get some Greek-style education from a liberal arts college or a cemetery, okay, that makes me now anointed and appointed by God because some other carnal men have said, I have the education which is based on a worldly system, the old Greek form of education, not what was necessary for being appointed in the New Testament church, in, according to the New Testament, which was anointing by the Holy Spirit and witness of the other brothers and sisters within the ecclesia, the organic body of Christ. Okay, without a clergy, without a hierarchy, without an ecclesiastical monarchy. I say that these guys, just because they go and get a piece of paper, and today, I mean, you can get your piece of paper online, right? Just because you get a piece of paper that says, you've finished these studies in hermeneutics and homiletics and so on and so forth, you are now appointed by God right. to be his representative and his voice in the church. For me, that's the definition of self-appointed. Not someone who has truly been Holy Spirit anointed, and his tree is bearing the fruit of true Christ-like character and ministry. Yeah, well, this title thing is really interesting, too, because most of them don't really have a problem with that term pastor, but that whole servant model foundation, you know, the Lord's own humble example of getting down on his knees and washing the feet of his followers, which he laid there in Ephesians 2.20, it's been overturned. The capstone of the foundation, along with its accompanying structural foundation, the apostles and prophets, that was turned on its head as by what you said there, transformed into a top-heavy pyramid scheme with these chief clergy imposters raining down in the body of believers. This is actually in opposition for our Lord's intention of these servant love functions, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, teachers, providing the support mechanisms for the rest of the body of Christ by sitting up under them, lifting them up, edifying them, equipping them to be instruments of the Holy Ghost. So again, the foundation of the true church is built upon the apostles and prophets, but they really don't have any problem with this term pastor, and they almost relegate you to the depths of the damned if you don't support these titles. <laughs> yes. Well, again, pastors are culturally acceptable. Say it with me. Say it again. Culturally acceptable, Sheila. It's culturally <laughs> acceptable 
pastor. Okay, the world accepts pastor. It's very tame. It's very mild. It's very passive. It's very easily to be manipulated and controlled. Where does pastor come from in the modern context? Okay, not in the original word uh, that Paul or the writer of Ephesians uses, okay, which is poimen, and it's in the plural, pastors, shepherds, caretakers, elders, synonymous with the other terms, bishop and presbyter. They're, they're really all talking about the same thing. Usually an older person, mature in the faith, that's there to watch out for the welfare fair in the protection of the young sheep, that they don't get ravished by the false spiritual wolves. That's what that was all about. But to the modern version of pastor today is passed down from priest. What happened in the Reformation is when Luther, okay, Martin Luther and John Calvin and these others broke away from the Roman Catholic Church, they rejected the, the, the false Babylonian priesthood of Roman Catholicism, okay? They no longer officiated over the satanic mass, this Christ's mass, okay? This occult ritual that takes place in the Roman Catholic Church through transubstantiation, which mystically turns these elements of wine and wafer into literal blood and body, okay? This is witchcraft. So they wanted to get away from that. And they no longer wanted to do that. They wanted to bring expository on the word. They wanted to preach the word of God in the churches. So what took center stage was no longer the communion table or the Eucharist table that the priest presided over. But now it became the pulpit or the lectern, okay, where the preacher or the reverend preached. So we used to use the term preacher a lot, uh, even still when I first came into the into the faith, you know, a couple of decades ago, they still used the word preacher and reverend, rector. Okay, these words are out of fashion now. And this word pastor became culturally acceptable because it, it sounds very paternal. It sounds very uh, loving and caring. They know it means a shepherd, pastor, okay? But the true origins of this still come out of the same corruption because when the reformers broke off from Roman Catholicism, even though they broke away from a lot of the mysticism and the idolatry of, you know, Mary worship and saint worship and, and all that other stuff, the worship of the Pope and all that stuff, they still retain the Constantinian structure of the false church. The only difference is they had now in the center a pulpit instead of a Eucharist table. But they still looked as at the building as the church. They still had the one-man rule, okay, of this leader standing up. They still had the clergy and the laity, those who were in the professional priesthood or ministry, and those who were out in the laity or congregation. There was still that division. There was still that hierarchy, religious hierarchy. So they didn't have that much revelation. So they retain that, and we have that to this day, even in our most contemporary settings. It's still the same thing. You have some reverend up there, even if he's up there in an ACDC shirt today with ripped jeans trying to act cool. He's still up there like the reverend, and the, and the congregation is out there as spectators listening. So we've never lost that structure. We still have it.
So this word pastor is acceptable because it's not threatening to anyone. And with pastor, Sheila, you don't have to show any supernatural criteria or credentials. If someone says apostle or prophet, they have to prophesy and it has to come true. If they say apostle, they have to move in mighty signs, wonders, and deeds. As Paul said, I, the apostle, was among you. Did you not experience signs, wonders, and mighty deeds? Think about today's life coaches, okay? He said, I did not come with cunning words of man's wisdom, but I came in the power of the Spirit and in demonstration of the kingdom of God. He was talking about supernatural power. With pastor, this modern term pastor, I don't have to have any of that. I just have to be a good entertainer. I just have to be able to get up and talk about relationships and talk about loving one another and talk about tolerating each other. And that all sounds very pastoral. Okay, so pastor is not a threatening term or title for people. All these titles and offices and positions are illegitimate. Christ never gave us titles, offices, and positions in the ministry. He called us as servant love functions. This title and office and position came from the Nicolaitan spirit, which is manifest especially in Rome and has passed down to the daughters of the whore of Babylon, where men take on titles. I am a pastor. That's my title because I'm an employee of the church. I'm employed by the church, and my title is pastor. And I can be fired, Sheila. Another secular idea, right? Do you ever see anyone getting fired in the New Testament, in the, in the original church? Did they hire and fire pastors or hire and fire apostles and prophets? So if we're going to talk about self-appointed and we're going to talk about the spiritual, the true spiritual and, and scriptural nature of the callings of God, then let's take all these things into account. If I'm really appointed by God and I've had hands laid on me by a presbytery who's recognized me as a spiritual gift to the church, then how can I be fired when I don't agree that we should add on to the church building and build a men's fellowship hall? Right. Well, I guess the question that is left here, are those of us in the so-called Christian alternative media, are we ministries? Are we really ministering to the body? Or are we news outlets? Are we just simply gathering intel what is this eclectic mishmash mixture of worldly views merged with scripture? Are they born again believers filled with the Holy Ghost or rather just a person with a view? I think yeah. that's a problem when you're avoiding scriptural correction from the brethren by not really claiming to be a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not really a representative of God. So you're avoiding the whole scriptural accountability piece. And if you're just an intel gatherer, well, that's fine. But then how are you a spiritual leader? How is that a ministry? I think the point is that defining ourselves is really important. And accountability to the body is huge. When someone calls us out as leaders, we have to be willing to be accountable. I agree with you totally, Sheila, and I think it's time for the body of Christ and those listening to this today, and I said it in my article and I've said it on my own programs, 
to stand up and demand that your so-called spiritual leaders identify themselves and qualify themselves according to scriptural mandate and no longer according to these worldly things. And I'll say to these guys that are out there doing this, these watchmen and so, who are your brothers? Because I see you standing up there with people from, and this is for CEO pastors too, I see you standing up there with people from other faiths and people who who are not even in the faith, and they're your brother. Why are they your brother? Because they're willing to fight for the uh, republic with you. They're will- they want to save America. So you guys can all agree on saving America. But are those your brothers in Christ? Is Billy Graham your hero? I just watched a video today, Sheila, where I saw Billy Graham, the heretic, talking to the apostate Robert Schuller, and this was about 20 years ago. And Schuller asked him, where is Christianity today? And Billy Graham went on to give his definition of who the body of Christ is. And he said, there are people who believe in Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not. They love Christ, whether they're conscious of it or not. And they can come through any other faith. It doesn't matter. Some come through Islam, some come through Hinduism, some come through Christianity or Judaism. We're all seeking one God and so on and so forth. And I've heard these alternative guys and and church preachers uh, hailing this Billy Graham as their hero, that we need our hero to come back. We need another Billy Graham. Well, I got the news to break to you. Billy Graham is a heretic. Billy Graham preaches false doctrine. Billy Graham preaches the gospel of inclusion. No different than Robert Schuller, than Rick Warren, than this litany of these other phonies out there, Joel Osteen and the rest of them. Okay, they're all preaching the gospel of inclusion, a false gospel. So why are you able to stand on the stage with Glenn Beck and share it with him? Why are you able to see Alex Jones as your brother? Why are you able to see Rush Limbaugh as your brother? I'll tell you why? Because your gospel is another gospel. It's the gospel of the United States of Mystery Babylon. It's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's time for the body of Christ to stand up and say, identify yourselves, Christian leaders. Identify yourselves. Where do you stand? Is the scripture and the scripture alone our only authority? Is the Holy Spirit the Lord of the church? Is the church an organization and a building that man builds with his own hands, or is it the living organism that Jesus Christ said he would build through us? Which is it, spiritual leaders? Who are you? Are you a voice of the world? Are you Paul Revere or are you Paul the Apostle? Which one are you? Paul Revere yelling the British are coming, save America? Or Paul the Apostle saying, come out of every empire of the world that is evil, that Jesus will soon come back to vanquish and come into the true ecclesia of the living God, the Koryaki, those who belong to God, come out from among them. And be ye separate. Come out of her, my people, and receive not of her plagues, and do not partake of her sins. This is what what Christians need to do. But if Christians love the mixture, Sheila, if they want to do like it's ascribed to Apostle the Apostle Paul writing the letter to Timothy, if they want to gather to themselves and heap to themselves teachers, because they have itching ears, they heap to themselves teachers who increase 
and reinforce their errors and heresies because they want to live the good life and they want to hear a good message, they want to hear good news according to the world's definition, then they deserve phonies who won't identify themselves. But true Christians need to stand up and say, hey, where's the real church? Where's the real ministry? Where are the real servant love functions that Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has appointed in the church? And let me say this as my closing statement here, Sheila. Stop denying the Holy Spirit, you hypocrites, you phonies, you betrayers and traitors. You're so concerned about being a traitor of the United States of America. You're so concerned about Christians are going to betray America because they're not willing to stand up with guns and flags and all this other idolatry and fight for this pagan, satanic Atlantis. Okay, but what about you traitors? What about you betrayers who have kicked the Holy Spirit out of God's house, who have made the Holy Spirit anathema maranatha to talk about? None of you will stand up with me and say, in order to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the evidence is to speak in tongues and prophesy. None of you cowards will stand with me and do that. Why? Because you love the world and you want the world to love you. Well, I pray for you. I love you with all my heart, but I tell you in the name of Jesus, repent. Repent. Stop worshiping Semiramis in the Hudson and start worshiping Jesus Christ by accepting the Holy Spirit and preaching the Holy Spirit, and moving in the Holy Spirit. Moving in the Holy Spirit, indeed. Folks, these are very powerful words to consider. This is not about a popularity contest. It's not to placate man. We have to appease God. We're accountable to him, and we have to speak the truth. Paul says in Galatians 4.16, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? We really have to decide here. We have to take the blinders off. We can't afford to accept a mixture anymore. And I'll tell you what, if you have not got Danny Morano's newest book, Exposing the Counterfeit Church, I think it is a very timely must-have. I've read it, and I highly recommend it. Danny, for the new listeners tuned in, please do give out your website. Godisnotreligious.net. Godisnotreligious.net. And Danny, thank you for coming on the program. As always, very powerful words, and we thank you for really everything that you do for the body of Christ. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Sheila, for giving me this opportunity and for standing with us in the truth. We love you all. We love your listeners. And we love even the people that we're trying to get the truth to. Thanks, Sheila. Thanks, Danny. Folks, that was Dr. Danny Morano from GodIsNotReligious.net. It is linked there on today's bio. That article we talked about today, if you go to Danny's website and you click under posts, it's alternative Christian media and counterfeit roots. We just scroll down a bit on posts and you'll find it there. So do check out that website. I've got good news about the app, the Weekend Vigilante app has some upgrades. So please make sure you go to the app store. If you already have the app, update it. If you haven't got the app for smart devices, go to the app store and download Weekend Vigilante app. Now it's got some great features, and we're still adding a couple more. It's a very good customized app for you, the listener. We've got some great features on there. You can now fast forward, rewind, stop the program, and it doesn't cut out as well, which is really good. I got feedback from you, how you like the app, and you told me what things you wanted fixed. And so we're working out all those kinks. So we've got a lot of changes that were made. So do make sure you update that. 
And we're also going to add a new feature. It'll be there shortly that as you're listening to the show, you can also multitask, browse around on the other features on the app. So that's coming very soon. Anytime you bring out something new, there's always a learning curve to go through. There's always little things to work out. But we heard from you and we've responded. So I hope you like some of the new features that we've added onto that app. And lastly, if you have not signed up for my YouTube channel, it's very simple. Go to weekendvigilante.com. Go up to the pink bar on the right. And there's direct links to all the social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and a lot of times the YouTube videos, they come out before the podcast. And of course, make sure you are signed up for the podcast. Oh, and make sure you are signed up for my free e-newsletter as the May newsletter is coming out this week, midweek. So don't forget that. Sign up for my free e-newsletter. It's there on the right-hand side. Very easy to find. And I don't have to remind you that this ministry is 100% listener-funded. So if you're blessed by the show, please do your part. Thank you for tuning into the program today. Good night and God bless.